Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. As Christians in a hostile environment, which most Christians have lived in a hostile environment throughout history, there is that temptation toward fear. And fear of rejection, fear of even persecution. And yet the Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 18, verses 1 through 18, in a message titled, Sin and Grace. Now, here's Pastor Brian. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justus, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and of your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge in such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. So Paul remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. And he had his hair cut off at Centria, for he had taken a vow. So today I want to uh, just look at the, the passage that we read over. I want to zero in on... Um, just a particular portion there. But, but before we get to that, let me just 
I'll give a little background here. Paul has left what we understood to be the intellectual capital of the empire. You remember he was there in Athens. So now Paul has left Athens and he comes to another great Greek city and that would be the city of Corinth. The city had an ancient history but it, it was destroyed and then rebuilt in uh, 46 BC by none other than Julius Caesar. And it became the capital of the province of Achaia. So that, that area there, which was known as ancient Greece, was divided into two provinces, Macedonia and Achaia. And, and so Corinth is the, the capital of the province of Achaia. It was a commercial center. It was wealthy, very proud of its culture, and notoriously immoral. Above the city stood the temple of Aphrodite, or also known as Venus, the goddess of love. And there were, it, it is said, a thousand female slaves who served this goddess, and they, they roamed the streets nightly as prostitutes. So someone said that, that Corinth was the, the vanity fair of the Roman Empire. And indeed, it seemed like that was the case. Culturally, it was a bit like modern-day Manhattan or Amsterdam, kind of similar cultural things, especially in regard to sexuality. And so Paul comes to Corinth, and so here we read, there's a, obviously a healthy Jewish community there. He goes into the synagogue. He, as his custom was, as we've seen, he seeks to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. And uh, as is also sometimes the case, there's a opposition and rejection by the Jewish leaders. And so at a certain point, Paul just decides, you know, the opportunity in the synagogue is not bearing much fruit. And he kind of pronounces a judgment on them. I, you know, from now on, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the Gentiles and he literally moves to a location right next door to the synagogue. And there we read that he continues his ministry and it was in the house of justice. And then uh, verse eight tells us that Crispus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, he actually did come to faith. So there's opposition in the synagogue to Paul, but the ruler, Crispus, he, his heart is soft. He comes to faith. Later, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he mentions that he baptized Crispus. And so he carries on his ministry there from the house of justice. And then we have this really interesting vision that Paul has where the Lord appears to him. And that's what I want to really focus on this morning. But, but before we land there, just you know, right on through to the end of the portion there, the story uh, about uh, Gallio, the proconsul, And because we know historically when Gallio was the proconsul of that area, we can set the date here at about between 50 and 52 AD. And Gallio was a, a well-known and actually a loved politician. His, he was the younger brother of a man named Seneca. And Seneca was well-known in... in Rome, he was a philosopher, he was close to the emperor, and 
So there's, there's much written about these people in history. And so here we see that, that overlap where we've got Luke, the, the biblical historian, and he's talking about these officials and you know, rulers and people. And, and every time Luke records these things, he is 100% accurate. As a matter of fact, Luke has really kind of come down as the most accurate of the ancient historians. And, you know, if you think about it, you would understand that he would be. Of course, he would have no reason to not be honest. Plus, Luke is an inspired writer of Scripture. And so the facts that he records are indeed facts. But in, in the vision that we read about there, the Lord says to Paul, he, he tells him not to be afraid and to keep speaking and so forth. And he says, for no one is going to harm you. But yet we see that, that Paul is dragged before the courts. But the interesting thing is what Jesus said was true. No one did harm him. And, and this incident actually liberated Paul from further persecution, like the kind of persecution that he had had previously. See, what, what these Jews were trying to do here, they were trying to get Gallio to identify Paul's faith, the Christian faith, as an illegal religion. Now, in the Roman world, Judaism was a legal religion. It was recognized, and therefore, it was protected. So the Jews are trying to separate what Paul is preaching from Judaism, and basically, they're accusing Paul of breaking the law, but Gallio doesn't buy it. He says, no, 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 this is, this is a Jewish issue here, and so I, I don't want to have anything to do with it, and in refusing to identify the faith that Paul's preaching as something separate from Judaism, he basically secures the faith and puts it under the protection, in a sense, of the empire. And so this, uh, again, Paul was not harmed in this, but again, this paved the way for many years in the future for the faith to not come under official Roman persecution. Now, it would at a certain point under Nero because Nero was insane and, you know, he was looking for a scapegoat and the, the church became part of that. But, but it's an interesting kind of historical fact here that it was through these events that happened that the advance of the gospel was secured and Paul personally was secured. But like I said, that is just the background to the story. What I want to zero in on is the vision of the Lord speaking to Paul. Now, let's remember the background. Paul was in Philippi, and what happened to him in Philippi? He was arrested and he was beaten. Uh, from Philippi, he went to Thessalonica, and there he was persecuted and driven out of town. Uh, he went to Berea, and a similar kind of a thing happened. And so he has to flee to Athens. Now, in Athens, he wasn't persecuted. And yet, remember, Athens was just kind of a, a layover. It was just there very briefly. And then they come to Corinth. And so you can imagine that Paul, who is, of course, very much human, like all of us, you know, there's a point where you're just like, 
I can't take this persecution stuff anymore. <laughs> you know, um, I, as, as I'm reading over this, I'm thinking Paul was, was probably weary. And he goes into the synagogue and he meets that same kind of resistance that he had experienced in those previous places. And remember, it, it was the Jews in those other places that incited the mob against Paul. So he can, in his mind, he could just see this whole scenario happening all over again. And so apparently this was causing Paul to perhaps consider just moving on, just not rocking the boat. You know, I'm just going to be quiet, mind my own business, get out of town as soon as I can. There, there was something going on in Paul's head because in the vision, what the Lord says to him indicates that there were those kinds of thoughts that were transpiring. So look at verse 9 and 10. So the Lord spoke to him in the night by a vision. And he says, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. So again, I think from that we can read into it that Paul was being tempted to be silent. He was being tempted to, because of fear, to just uh, not continue his mission of preaching the gospel. But the Lord says, do not be afraid. And then he says, for I am with you. I am with you. Do not be afraid. You know, I think of the many, many times in the biblical text where we find these very words, do not be afraid. The Lord always reminding us over and over again, the old way to put it, it would be fear not for I am with you. I think of those many passages in the Old Testament. And, you know, as Christians in a hostile environment, which most Christians have lived in a hostile environment throughout history, there is that temptation toward fear. And fear of rejection, fear of even persecution. And yet the Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid for I am with you. And this must have been so encouraging to Paul at this moment. Just that reminder, you know, sometimes when you're going through things, the, the fundamental things that we know, sometimes we just forget them, like the Lord is with us. So, you know, of course we know the Lord is with us, but yet there are times because of our circumstances, we, we forget that and we just need that reminder. So do not be afraid. I am with you, the Lord says. Speak and do not keep silent. Speaking, we have got to speak. And you know, the devil... He wants to silence the voice of the gospel. He wants to silence the voice of the church. And if you think of church history, and if you think of uh, you know, church history in the past hundred years or so, man, he has you know, done a, a really good job of silencing the voice of the gospel in different places of the world. I think of all of those years of the influence of the Soviet Union back in those days. And all those countries were, were basically, to a large degree, the gospel was silenced. And that was their goal. That was their ambition. They, they destroyed the churches. They locked up the, the leaders, the Christians. And 
they, you know, deprived people of the Bible. They didn't, they didn't want, they didn't want the gospel going forward. And the, the same is true today in the remaining communist countries. Uh, the same is true throughout the Islamic world to a large degree today as well and has been. And of course, there are voices in our culture here in the West that are similar voices. They want to silence the message of the gospel, but we cannot keep silent. We have got to speak and we, we've got to speak and not just, you know, we've, we've got to live as well. We've got to live lives that are consistent with our savior and with our message. Absolutely. But we got to do more than that. You know, some people say, well, I, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking to anybody. I just, I just live a good life. And, you know, eventually they'll maybe figure it out that they should be a Christian too, because they saw my life. Well, they should be able to look at your life and say, oh, there's something there that I, I, I'm interested in. But for all they know, you're just a nice atheist or a good Buddhist or something like that. You have to speak. You have to tell people. You have to talk to them about the faith. And that's what the scripture reminds us over and over, uh, of over and over again. Because remember, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So people have to hear God's word. And we are the ones who are going to communicate that. Now, all of that said... Here's the, the real uh, focus that I want to bring us down to today. It's what Jesus said at the end here. He said, let me read it again. Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. Here it is. For I have many people in this city. And the reason why I want to focus on this for our main point here today is because this is so counterintuitive, maybe, or it's just so the opposite of what you might think. Remember, we talked a little bit about the background of Corinth. So think of that backdrop, and then this statement. I have many people in this city. See, we would be tempted to say, man, that's a wicked city. We don't want to go there. There's bad people there. There's all kinds of sin there. What would you go there for? Well, because God has many people in those cities. The Lord has people that he intends to save in those places. And quite honestly, for a few generations, many Christians, especially in our nation, you know, there, were, there, were, there was a flight out of the cities Get out into suburbia. Get out into a place where, you know, life isn't hectic or crazy or dangerous or ultra sinful. And, and, you know, we understand that on the one hand. But when everybody vacates the city, then sin proliferates. But there are people in the city that need to hear the gospel. And that's the, the situation here in Corinth. And the Lord reminds Paul of that very thing. And so as I look at this, I think this is really, it's a statement of an unexpected mercy. 
Now again, some people, and even the apostles to a certain degree before they really understood the program of Jesus, remember when sometimes when they would encounter sinners, they would think the solution is to just call down fire from heaven. Remember James and John, they thought that. They went to Samaria, the Samaritans didn't really respond uh, to Jesus the way they thought that that uh, they should. And they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven just like Elijah did? And Jesus said, well, actually, no, I don't want you to do that. (laughs) The son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He said, you guys don't get it. You you don't understand what, what spirit you are of. And we can be like that too. And I think there, there have been seasons in the, the history of the church and recent history where we have been like that too often, where our thought is that, man, fire needs to come down and consume them, but the Lord's thought is, no, I want to save them. See, it's an unexpected mercy. God's heart toward sinful people is a heart full of mercy. And I think when you look at Corinth in particular, there's another verse that I think that you could kind of just use it to summarize what God's perspective on Corinth was. And it's it's something that uh, Paul said in writing to the Romans. He said this, he said, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where sin abounded, that means where sin overflows. He said, grace overflows more. And so Jesus says to Paul, don't be afraid. I have many people in this city. And today, the Lord says to us, don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of of what's happening. Because I, I still have many people that I want to reach. You know, later, of course, we have the two letters to the Corinthians that Paul writes. And in both letters, but particularly in the first letter, you really get some really good insight into the background of Corinth. You get a good insight into what the people were like and how they were living, because a lot of that stuff they were engaged in, they brought it over into their lives in the church. So Paul had to deal with them. If, if you've ever taken the time to think about 1 Corinthians when you're reading through it, you, you would be shocked at how much of a parallel it is to the things going on in our uh, culture today. Back in the, the 1500s, the 1600s, the big, the big issue back then in the Western world was the dominance of Roman Catholicism over over all of the culture and a, a religious system, a legalistic system, the gospel is lost. Uh, nobody knows how to get saved. Nobody knows that you're saved by grace through faith and all of that. So the word of the Lord for that period of time came primarily through uh, Romans and Galatians uh, as well, but, but Romans even more so. And you know when you study the book of Romans and you you put it alongside of what was happening in the world at that time. It's like, man, this was the perfect word for that time because it's a restatement of the gospel. And it's, um, you know, all of those things about 
salvation by grace through faith and all of that. Now, fast forward to today, and obviously Romans is still extremely relevant. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Why God is More Than You Expected and Everything You Need by Cheryl Broderson. The battle for grace is real. The battle rages on for men and women alike, and the stakes are high. Spiritual well-being, mental health, physical health, emotional health, and social well-being. Grace affects every area of your life. In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares practical ways that men and women can draw on the available resources of God's grace. The book, A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.